welcome to a special mini-sode, or perhaps for today we should call it a mega-sode, episode of the Irie Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Jaisley, joined by Mike Rappin. Hello. And Mike, we have a special topic for today, a topic that's obviously near and dear to my heart, as listeners probably know. Um, a while back, you had asked me where to start reading Judge Dredd like, for some recommendations, and I chose The Complete Case Files, Volume 2, and uh, you read it, and uh, we're here to talk about some Judge Dredd. I hope you're excited, as excited as I am. I definitely read Judge Dredd. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that being said, I, I am excited to talk about this because it is quite a book. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Like, my only introduction to Judge Dredd is watching the movies and really only the latest Dread movie, not sure. the one with Rob or Sylvester Stallone. I don't know, I was going to say Robert Stallone, um, well, you know, yeah. Sylvester Stallone's brother. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I had never seen the original. I've seen clips of it because, you know, that definitive, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you just can't get rid of that. But um, yeah, so this, this I had, I had no idea what to expect other than insane violence. And that's pretty much what I got. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you kind of know what you're going to get with Judge Dredd, but I feel that, I mean, we'll talk about it more as we go on, but the difference between the Judge Dredd you know from the movie, particularly the more recent 2012 film, and the comics is that the comics are, especially these older comics, are way more satirical and a lot funnier than people probably expect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so. th- this is this whole book just reads like people making jokes the entire time, but it's the driest <laughs> humor you've ever read. Yeah, there's some gallows humor, some pretty dark humor at times, but yeah, it's, it's a lot mm-hmm. funnier than the uh, Keith... Keith Urban, Carl Urban version. I always do that. I always say Keith Urban. <laughs> That's be a okay. Very different take on Dread. Yeah, very different. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, very briefly for maybe fans that uh, haven't read a lot of Judge Dread, I chose the Complete Case Files Volume 2 because um, very early on in Judge Dread, in the first collection of Case Files, we should say that these Complete Case Files volumes essentially collect a year's worth of Dread stories. So... Judge Dread is published in 2008, which is a weekly anthology uh, comic in Britain. So you're getting five or six page installments each week of a larger story. And so this volume collects a year's worth of those short stories. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty massive book. It's over 300 pages, a lot of stuff to get through. But uh, what's interesting is that early on in Dread, no one really knew what to do with the character because the creator... John Wagner, who created Judge Dredd with uh, the artist Carlos Esguera, he ended up leaving 2000 AD for a few months and then coming back. So the first volume of Judge Dredd, the first case files, is other writers taking over and trying to figure out what the character is. And one of those writers is Pat Mills, who writes the first half of this volume, The Cursed Earth. And then the second half of this Complete Case Files, Volume 2, is written by John Wagner. And they have very different takes on the character. And that's kind of why I recommended this volume, because you get two big mega epics, which are over 20 installments each. They're very different takes on the character, and one of which works really well, Mm -hmm. and one of which doesn't work as well for me. And I think it's an interesting comparison side by side to see what you can do with the character and what makes the character interesting. You know? Yeah, I I definitely could feel like a different rhythm going between the two yeah. writers. Um, I mean, not to mention, I mean, we have to bring it up in this, but like, you know, the, the slew of of yeah. artists that are in this book too also I think really kind of changes the pace uh-huh. of the book. Um I, I think like, you know, the 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 main artist on on the Cursed Earth, you know, Mike McMahon, like definitely has a specific distinct Judge Dredd style that he's going for and it feels very old timey yeah. like I, I i maybe that's a weird way to say that but it feels very much of the sure. 70s right when you think of books that are gritty and and grimy and have stuff that like are dealing with darker elements like mcmahon's art per- works perfectly well for it um and i think going throughout the entire book i can't imagine that this guy is doing this book week <laughs> to week it's in yeah. fucking insane and i mean we're we're talking i mean this is this is me i'm in the middle of reading one piece right now i'm talking about a book that's been going on weekly for 20 yeah. plus years and it's you know by one creator plus a handful of assistants i got to imagine that mcmahon had at least two or three other people working with him on it because there's so much in every single one of his pages because paul i'm just diving right into cursed (laughs) earth because it's it's a fantastic um story that doesn't hit very well (laughs) yeah (laughs) like that's that's my core takeaway that's a good way to phrase it so um so yeah um The first half of this volume is, like you said, is The Cursed Earth, which is written by uh, Pat Mills for the most part. He writes most of it um, with Mike McMahon trading art duties with Brian Boland for the entire thing, 
which is really interesting side by side comparison. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and this covers um, um, 2008 progs or issues 61 uh, through 85, so almost half a year's worth of stories. And it's written by Pat Mills, like I said. And the framing device is interesting, but I don't think it works. So uh, maybe to explain better, um, the idea is that Judge Dredd, who's in Mega City 1, which is on the east coast of the United States, or what used to be the United States, um, we should mention this, takes place in the years um, 2100 to 2101 in the 2080 continuity. So in the Mega City 1 continuity. So I see, um, I see. In Mega City One, he could, they get word that uh, an infectious disease called Tutti Fruity is spreading throughout Mega City Two, which is on the West Coast, basically what Los Angeles is. And um, yeah. they choose Dread to take the antidote across the cursed Earth, which is the irradiated wasteland of what used to be the United States. So that's the whole framing device. It's like a Western type story. So you got to get from point A to point B. It's really dangerous. You're the man for the job. So that's the setup. And I think. Um, like you said, it's a it's a great idea, but it doesn't isn't executed that well because the rest of the story is just a series of vignettes of Western tropes and never really feels like a cohesive story. It's almost like they kind of lose the thread right away, you know? Yeah, they, they lose the thread. They lose some of the the I guess like plot hooks that really make you interested. Yeah. You know, like who is who is this guy? Spikes uh Harvey, right? Or uh, Spikes oh, Harvey de- Rotten. Like why 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 is he important? Like, what? What is? Why can't Judge Dredd actually fly there? They flew a ship from Mega City Two to Mega City One. Why can't they fly back? And of course, it's explained away through just like a one-off throwaway line. Like, oh, it would be dangerous to open it up because of this virus. But like, you know, some of that stuff goes away. And Judge Dredd is like, I don't ever want to go across this, but I'm the only person that can. And Spikes Harvey Rotten, you got to come with me because you're the best motorcyclist we know. And I'm like, yeah. okay. I eventually think this will pay off. And unlike um, what I have come to expect from manga, Paul, I'm (laughs) going to compare all this to manga because it's got a very similar format. Um, It it unfortunately doesn't pay off in ways that I was hoping for. Uh, No, no, I think that's that's fair to say because, yeah, um, the whole idea of the Western tropes, like Judge Dredd realizes that the the best equipped person to join him is a a criminal, Spikes Harvey Rotten, uh, which I have to just say is the greatest character name Probably ever. I love, I oh, love the idea that Pat Mills, who's probably was too old, because this is uh, 78, 79. The punk scene in England has already peaked and disappeared, basically. And he's probably mm-hmm. just too old to have been into punk, but he knows that a punk name is Spikes Harvey Rotten. So that's what he picks. And I, yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Yeah. So, but yeah, you expect at some point Spikes to either have a redemption arc or to turn on Dread and like, that doesn't happen. It's like, it's, you know, it, they're setting up these tropes, but they're not paid off. That said, mm-hmm. there are some amazing chapters in this whole story. So it, it, it there's some oh, good yeah. stuff. Yeah. I don't mean to like poo poo yeah. on the whole thing. Cause I do think that there's some stuff in here that is in the cursed earth. That is very good. Um, as like a standalone, you don't know what's going on in dread, but you happen to pick up 2000 AD this week. Um, I, it, it works because of course the opening page in, in some capacity explains right. what's happening. Judge dread has to go across the country to save the, you know, mega city too. And then you get into the story cause you don't need any more premise than that. Um, but I did expect, uh, spikes, Harvey rotten to who I'm just going to refer to as spikes cause his name's a mouthful. Um, um, he, I expected him to do something. I expected him to get j- dread out of a jam by by something that only he could do. But it turns out, and I discovered this wasn't necessarily unique to just the cursed earth. But as you get into the day the law died, all of the side characters in Judge Dredd's stories are just throwaway pieces that are just there to get him out in a Deus Ex Machina whenever he's in a a tight spot. Um, and I, I don't know if that's me just being super critical of the series because I've only read like one volume of it. But even when you get into the day the law died, um, you notice that characters like uh, the Fleabag guy whose name oh, yeah, is escaping Fergie. me right now. Yeah. Yeah, Fergie and and even the some of the side character judges, the the teacher judges, they're all just kind of there to get J- Dread out of a bind in ways that are like almost shoot away off panel. <laughs> um, and as as I was reading through the Cursed Earth, I was just like, I'm, you know, this is this is what happens when you've only got six pages. You kind of yeah. gotta you know speed things up. And I understand that, but it's unfortunate to see that same thing happen with the day the law died because that story has so much more breadth to it and in in possibility that they could have easily. Given given a character something else to do other than just be there as a standby. I, I, w- I will say, um, again, this is only the second year of Dread 
comics and characters sure, that sure. show up in the day the law died come back so they're helping establish oh, I, I can absolutely see that yeah, yeah and yeah, one yeah. of the characters and we'll get to it but one of the characters in the day the law died is judge giant who's introduced um in the case in the complete case files volume one he's a recurring character who's actually pretty important so yeah as you keep gotcha. going you'll gotcha. see those characters show up again but yeah they're basically just being introduced and i do think that is one criticism especially of the cursed earth is that um it doesn't quite have it doesn't quite feel like it has the same stakes as other dread judge dread stories part of that right. is the right. problem where pat mills as a writer always wants to take judge dread out of mega city one to make the character work because he sees judge dread as a hero right <laughs> right right so right. i mean uh the story right before this at the end of the first complete case files is judge dread going to the moon and basically being the sheriff of the moon and that's like that doesn't work. Like that's that's not what you want from a Dredd Dred, right. Dred story. And like the setup for this is interesting because obviously Dredd is the most respected judge. So of course they pick him for the suicide mission. Basically, um, mm -hmm. he is the Western lawman bringing law and order to all these small towns they run into in the cursed earth. You know, there's a number. Yeah. I feel like Judge Dredd. It could be any other person doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that and that was the thing I I thought was like the most surprising about this story is the no not having judge dread in the city really kind of broke my brain yeah. about this yeah, yeah. because i he wasn't doing any of the policing <laughs> and and he wasn't doing the thing that judge dread does which i mean he does in the day the law died like his big of thing course, i am the yeah. law and then we judge cal and stuff like that but in this story in particular like he kept saying we're gonna come back for you like we're gonna send a squadron <laughs> out to this <laughs> yeah. like place in the wasteland uh which i thought was pretty funny um but like he he definitely doesn't feel like 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 you said, he could have just been replaced by anybody. And while it works, he's got the same voice and the same personality throughout the whole story. Um, it doesn't necessarily feel like a Judge Dredd story. Um, outside of this, you know, idea of going from mega city to mega city. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. And I think that's, I mean, there's something we'll come back to when we discuss the day the law died. But that is a big difference between Pat Mills' take on Judge Dredd and John John Wagner. And I should say mm -hmm. that this mm -hmm. is basically the last big story that Pat Mills does with judge dread i think he does another few stories gotcha. after this but by and large this is kind of his last take on the character and he moves on yeah. to other stuff in 2008 and john wagner basically becomes the judge judd creator and he's he's writing judge dread stories up until now you know he's still oh wow working on the character he okay. he is the one person who's defining the character and i think it's better for that but yeah but i maybe we'll discuss some highlights of this because yeah absolutely. there are some amazing chapters we should say that there are there are kind of two versions of the Cursed Earth. Uh, when it was originally published in 78, um, there were a couple chapters that uh, 2008 ran into some, maybe some licensing issues because they featured maybe uh, copyrighted and trademark characters, particularly Ronald McDonald mm -hmm. and the Jolly Green Giant specifically. Um, yeah. So they, those chapters were not republished for decades. Um, so if you buy the Complete Case Files Volume 2, you don't get these chapters. 2008 has, within the past couple of years, republished uh, The Cursed Earth as a standalone volume that has these chapters reinstated and the color pages reinstated. And I think we both oh boy, read that yeah. for this. I did, yeah. I was, I, I was blown away. Like I had start started reading um, Cursed Earth like in the black and white, and then I forgot that I had this the collected edition of just the Cursed Earth. And uh, man, to see those color pages, <laughs> especially when you get the Brian Boland chapters, yes. like I understand, like McMahon, uh, he's, he's a very, very good artist um, for for a specific style. Um, but when you get Brian Boland coming in, in what is a seventy eight? You say, mm -hmm. yeah. I cannot believe art like this existed in 1978 yes. because compared to all the other comics I've ever seen from the 70s and early 80s, his art is unique. And it looks like more like something that was coming out in like the late 90s, early 2000s, even 2010s. And to see him doing that back then is groundbreaking. But I, you know, it's clear that his work takes a little bit more time than <laughs> others, and I can, sure. which yeah. is why you don't see him consistently throughout the, the volume. Yeah, yeah. He... Um... He has some pretty major Judge Dredd stories, but never a huge mega epic on his own, obviously. His yeah. work is so detailed. And what's really interesting is that Boland and McMahon, at this time, in the late 70s, at this era, Judge Dredd, are basically the definitive Dredd artists. Like, they establish what the character looks like, but their artwork on the surface could not be more different, you know? Like, McMahon has a sort of sketchier style. It's a little bit looser. It's a little bit more cartoony. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. You know, just it's cartooning style. 
Uh, yeah. Bo- yeah. Boland is exaggerated and um, hyper-realistic in a way that comes off sort of cartoony at times, but it's much tighter. McMahon draws dread with his huge helmet, giant boots. It's animated in a way that Boland's is more restrained, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you get both. But of them. as as for yeah, as for chapters that I really really like though, mm-hmm. um, those those the McDonald's or the Burger Law. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> chapters are probably some of the funniest stuff in this. I I actually really like the lore building. Like Judge Dredd, I know has like a massive lore in in it, right? Because it's it's all in the same continuity, whatever. Um, and you know, now that I'm picking th- putting things together, I'm like, Paul, you really like stories with a lot of continuity, don't you? <laughs> yeah, something um, like that. Yeah. You know, Love and Rockets, this story, oh. um, some other stuff. But uh, no, I, I, I do like, in particular, like the, the vampire strikes or the Night of the Vampire arc that they did yes. where there's these robots sucking blood off of people to bring bring blood back to the, to the last American president. Like, I, I really like that idea of Judge Dredd tying it back to some history that we don't know, building a lot of lore, explaining things that to me were a mystery about how the world came what it was. And to see there's a moment in that chapter where you see the people of the United States clamoring for the judges. They want the judges over the American government. And I was just scared out of my mind (laughs) as I was reading that. That is a pretty amazing chapter. That's probably my outside of the uh, Battle of the Burger Barons and Burger Law, which I kind of like mainly just for their names. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. That the night of the vampire is probably my favorite part of the cursed earth because you get the perfect mix of a genre story. It's just absurd enough to be funny, but that also does real interesting world building. Like you said, like what's not gloss over the fact that the story is about robot vampires attacking a small town and sucking people's blood. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then judge dread basically helps the townspeople find out what's happening and track these robots down. And then you get that amazing mm-hmm. reveal at the end of the first chapter where uh, the townspeople are going to kill the vampire uh, in this tomb that the robots are bringing the blood to. It's like, oh, they're going to kill the last president of the United States. And that's such like a what moment? You know, it's just yeah, yeah. because it's the first time in 2000 AD in Judge Dredd where they explain, you know, what happened basically. And you get that real short um summary of it which is again is all pat mills john wagner will later on and go back and kind of revise that slightly so it's less the citizens are less excited about the judges taking over when they revisit it because it is very chilling in this this short version we get because basically the people they want the president out because he started the nuclear war that destroyed the united states and they want the judges in but the whole premise of judge dread is that the people shouldn't trust trust the judges right so yeah yeah, but well, the judges are at least like taking the law to an extreme, which is not good, not to the benefit of the people that live in the city. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it it is interesting that that uh, you get that world building sense that they will come back to, and that basically is the continuity. But they, they'll modify it a bit to make it more palpable in a way. Right. Um. Well, one thing I do want to note about that story with the vampires is that the the three robots in the story are named Snap, Crackle, and yes. Pop because I feel like the the creators, like you know Pat Mills on this book, is just trying to insert enough weird pop culture like twists to to stay like relevant in a weird way i'm sure that rice krispies was having some (laughs) sort of thing at the time and he's like you know what fuck those guys but in a british accent of some kind (laughs) well i mean let's not you can't overlook the fact that right on the first page of the cursed earth he names the virus that's turning people into zombies it's called tutti frutti right yeah yeah (laughs) It's yeah, it's not spelled like the word, but it's two T parentheses F R U parentheses T. Right. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing, and it kind of undercuts the importance of the story. But oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. But yeah, I think that's a glimpse into Pat Mills' sense of humor, obviously. And like, mm-hmm. um, and let's not forget the fact that the the Night of the Vampire also includes the fact that the last president of the United States is being kept in suspended animation underneath Fort Knox, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, the, the last safe place or something yeah. like that. Uh, it's an amazing story. I love, like I said, the fine line between absurdity and uh, seriousness. I don't know how much of Jack Kirby's Commandy you've ever read, but that's about as close to a Jack Ca- Jack Kirby Commandy story as I've read. That's not Commandy. I see. So I see. Yeah. That's great stuff. I also really liked um, uh, the Dark Autumn one shot story, which is about the kid with psychic powers who builds oh, yeah. the metal yeah. tree in his front yard and uses it to attack the people that are chasing Judge Dredd. Um, yeah, that felt like a weird, twisted sort of Twilight Zone meets X-Men kind of story to me. 
Yeah, I, I definitely got like Twilight Zone vibes from it because of how ambiguous ambiguous it kind of ends. Yeah. Um, it, it there's definitely like a, a you know the kid saves the day, but like when they're like you have to come with this kid, he's like no, I'm gonna stay here with my mom, and and uh, she says come inside, you know. But it's uh, I'm reading the page right now. He's like come away, no far, come in and close the door. Your father was a man like Judge Dredd before they had the war, <laughs> and it's like. Okay, like that's how we're gonna end it. And it, it, are they ever gonna come back to that? We don't know. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things that I think it's a it's a writer leaving plot hooks for future writers. Um, and it also again feels like a Twilight Zone thing because there is clearly way more to the story that we're just never gonna find. Yeah, out. basically the kid has psychic powers, and they never really explain why or to what use he's going to use them so yeah yeah um well th- there was kind of an implied thing that he was like a mutant of some kind yeah, and yeah. their their definition of mutant kind of changes as the story goes on right because we end up with the whole mutant pack of people that are chasing after judge dread for a while and then and then they just kind of go away <laughs> yeah that, that's funny too because we're kind of going out of order which i think is fine because we're yeah, highlighting yeah, what we yeah. like the most first but the the mutant story happens right away when they just leave mega city one and it's again doubling down on the western tropes where Pat Mills is using the um, the mutants as a stand-in for the you know the offensive stereotypical Native Americans from old Western movies, right? So right, right. Uh, but that also has the amazing uh, implication that the mutants have basically taken over the uh, Mount Rushmore. And if you think about it, yeah, which is funny because this is right when they leave Mega City One. So at some point they moved Mount Rushmore from North Dakota and put it right outside New York or put it on the Eastern Seaboard. Well, actually, actually, so I was thinking about yeah. this, and I was wondering about like how Mega City One and Mega City Two were laid out. And it turns out Mega City One and Mega City Two are much bigger than just New York of and course, LA. Yeah. There's a map um, that Brian Boland draws in this volume, mm-hmm. um, or not in Cursed Earth, but in The Day the Law Died, that shows the outlines of Mega City One and Mega they're City huge, Two. Yeah. And you can, and they're humongous. So to say that Judge Dredd was leaving from New York and then they end up in North Dakota oh, sure. um, is actually is probably incorrect. I think it's more likely that they left from. Chicago right. and went north yeah. because the Mega City One does expand out to not not to um actually your comic Paul but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was something that I, I took a screenshot of because I thought it was so interesting to actually see some definition when I think Judge Dredd as a on the whole and I think stories like this that are about you know infinitely large characters like this they don't need borders on them because it kind of takes away from it to see that kind of definition in the middle of the book was actually really surprising to me that makes um, sense too because there is later on in the day the law died they they end up in um the uh was it the lake the lake erie or they end up in like the ohio river or something the, yeah ohio yeah, river yeah. yeah um so anyway yeah but i still think they had to have there's implication that the um, Mount Rushmore has been moved to some capacity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, much much closer to any city than it probably is today. And they added Jimmy Carter's face at some point, which is <laughs> pretty funny. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that to me was quite... I mean, and we got Brian Boland on art, so it's like very picturesque and perfect. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was very, very well done. And of course, there's there's even like the joke that, that made me lose my mind in reading that is that at one point there's a flying laser ship um, and it crashes into Jimmy Carter's teeth and they fall out like a like a cartoon's teeth would fall out. It, right. it was... It's perfect. It, it's, it's truly wonderful. Um, so th- I think that's another highlight for me because you kind of get... It's a standard Western story. Um, mm-hmm. Very briefly, we should probably explain the whole bur- battle of the Burger Barons and Burger Law. Um, oh, please. Yeah, And yeah. it really is a shame that they weren't published for so long because they really are great. It's definitely worth buying the standalone volume to get these stories because it, it's so smart satire. Uh, the idea is that it's in the middle of the country. Uh, you have two warring burger families, McDonald's and Burger King, literally, and they're battling over a town that won't declare um, uh, allegiance to one or the other, right? Yeah, and they're called In Between. Yeah, this name is In Between, yeah. Uh, and it's great because it all starts because they uh, Judge Dredd and his caravan, because you have him and Spike's Harvey Rotten, they have the Killdozer um, and their giant thing that they're driving, plus some other judges. They pull into town to take a break or do some repairs or something. And Spike's Harvey Rotten walks into the local saloon and says, yeah, I'll take a burger. And immediately everyone's like, whoa, 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 what, what side are you on? You know, and uh, mm-hmm. don't say that so loud. And then, and then you have the burger battle basically between the two warring factions. And there's a point where Judge Dredd, after he gets captured by uh, the Burger King, where he says, oh, this must be what happened. After the government collapsed, the burger franchises were left to, you know, 
crave after their one thing they wanted, their lust for power or something to that effect. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> there was no one to control the the overwhelming lust for power of the burger franchises. And it's so mm-hmm. spot on satire because it's literally what, you know, McDonald's and Burger King do, right? They, mm-hmm. You can't have a town with just one or the other. You got to have like seven of both in every small town, so... Right. And they'll always try to corner a specific area first. Yeah. I mean, it, it totally works when you when you step back and look at like Burger King and McDonald's locations. Not that I did this, but <laughs> I, I, I know the idea yeah. that like, you know, if you see a McDonald's move in, then that neighborhood becomes a McDonald's neighborhood. You don't ever see a Burger King next door. And if you do, it's rare. And there's usually some sort of like, quote unquote, friendly competition between those where, you know, Burger King will say, you oh, bring in your McDonald's coupons and we'll trade you a burger yeah. or something like that. This, um, and it's 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 absurd. This is the extreme version of that because they're literally at war with each other, you know. So yeah, um, and of course, you know the the idea of that uh, that first chapter ends and it ends with the uh, the caveat or the caption of like in Burger Country, there's only one law: Burger Law. So they're going to kill Judge Dredd and Spike Harvey <laughs> yeah. Rotten for not declaring a side. Yeah. They end up escaping. It's it's a it's such seems like a dumb throwaway story, but it's I think it. It's a better version of Judge Dredd than a lot of the other stories in The Cursed Earth for me. So. Yeah, yeah. Now let's let's talk about the things that we didn't uh, like because yes. I've got one right from the get go. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the whole Satanus Rex thing, while in theory is really fucking cool. Yeah. Like if I was nine years old and I saw a Tyrannosaurus Rex called Satanus Rex who is out to just kill and, and eat monsters and people and all this stuff, sounds cool. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of this Judge Dredd, we're trying to cross the country thing. It f- comes so far out of left field. I didn't know what to think of it. And it was like, oh my God, there's another chapter of this. Like I, that was where I was at. And, I, and there's like, you know, dinosaurs, like chicken fighting or cock fighting or whatever yeah. and all that and, and stuff. But like, I didn't see the point of it. And the only thing that made it bearable was the, the color insert pages <laughs> um, of just massive death and destruction, you know? It, and the idea that Pat Mills basically did Jurassic Park 12 years before Michael Crichton wrote yes. the book Jurassic Park. It's literally the exact same story. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That stuff is tough because Judge Dredd is barely in it. That's definitely an example where it doesn't feel like a Judge Dredd comic at that point. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It kind of feels like Pat Mills is doing a you know a backdoor pilot for his character Satanus, who probably come back in another you know uh, part of 2080 <laughs> at some point. Sure, sure. But I do like the idea that it's literally the exact story of Jurassic Park, and Pat Mills to this day says he doesn't think. He doesn't. He sees the connection, but he doesn't take responsibility. It's like I don't think I really influenced Jurassic Park, and it's like it's literally the exact same story. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> is. I, I I have to admit that that is that is absolutely true. Because even down to like the raptors being the most vicious monsters yep. in this, like in the Tyrannosaurus Rex and them having to fight, like that's the whole first movie. Yeah, <laughs> and that's I'm, from my understanding, I think that's the whole first book. Th- right, that's literally it. And the idea is that these scientists run out of money to feed the dinosaurs, so they build a an amusement park, a zoo. Mm-hmm. To have people come to mm-hmm. it's, it's literally a Jurassic Park. Like that's that's the story. So, yeah, yeah those those um, chapters they really drag for me. Um, again, nice McMahon artwork on all that stuff, but yeah, I, I mean, if you want to look at Carnage, like an artist that can do Carnage <laughs> in in absolute just mayhem. Yeah. I mean, McMahon nails it on those chapters. Like the, some of the like, no, I don't want to say grotesque, but like most action-packed panels i think are in those chapters he really loves drawing dinosaurs going fucking wild and it does speak to the way that they illustrate these stories because again we're talking about five or six pages to do two pages of recap two pages of action build up and then maybe another page or two of of uh set up the next you know cliffhanger um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of these pages where especially double page spreads where the main you might have a page where the bottom right-hand corner, which is not normally where you start reading, but that will be a huge panel that is an establishing shot telling you where you are. <laughs> yeah. And then your eyes yeah, go back yeah. to the top of the page to get actually how they got there. Like, it's a really interesting visual storytelling that they have to, it's like a puzzle they have to do to figure out how to pack as much information on each page, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Satanist doesn't work for me. I really don't like the stuff with Tweak, the alien slave that Judge Dredd liberates. Um, yeah, I mean, it has a it has a payoff, but like, yeah. at what cost? <laughs> you know, like of all the stories, that one actually had something where like they came back yeah. to it. Um, like unlike Sp- Spikes, like the dude is literally just there, and then when they get them, they're done with the arc. He's just like, okay, I'm I'm not a bad person now. Yeah. Um, wink, wink, Judge. Maybe I'll maybe I'll be a good guy. Um, 
but at least with with tweak they you know he kind of becomes like an important part of the story but they could have done that with any other character right for the most part and it does feel like you know they're doing the western tropes they're trying to do a big story about america and then pat mills is trying to do a commentary on slavery but it's real ham-fisted and doesn't quite work and yeah Mm -hmm. so i don't like the tweak stuff very much and then the two i think it's two or three chapters where they're in las vegas kind of don't work for me either because yeah the las vegas chapter go ahead sorry the whole premise of the story is that there's nothing in between mega city one and mega city two and yet they happen upon las vegas which is a functioning city with its own judge system and it's never mentioned yeah. before you know yeah yeah Th- that that story was interesting because i liked seeing judge dread interact with other judges okay. i think that yeah. was just me craving what i wanted out of judge dread which is him being the law and he actually got to like kick these guys asses you know in the end um it, you know of course it, it's it's all combined with like a group of anti-gambling people that think he's like this prophet or something <laughs> right. because yeah. judge dread is the jesus christ buddha figure for everybody <laughs> um but i mean i i only liked it because it one i guess spikes harvey rotten actually did something for a change and it was him just trying to do the law but like at the end of the day, he's still Judge Dredd, and he's not necessarily the good guy. And I think this goes back to what you were saying, yeah. that like, Pat Mills trying to make Dredd this hero, and I like, are, is he supposed to be the hero? Because every time he's saving people, he's also like, I'm coming back to reprimand you. Don't forget that. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it is, it, it is interesting, because I, I think Pat Mills, he can only make Judge Dredd work for him if he's not a part of the judge system, or not a part of Mega City 1, which is... There's not as much meat there, you know, as we see yeah. with the day the law died, which is there's so much more you can do with the character when he's in Mega City One. So, yeah. yeah. Um, very briefly, I guess the conclusion of this of the Cursed Earth also kind of feels like a. It was kind of phoned in to me. Like the last chapters um, are basically dread. He's the only one left. Tweak's gone. Spike's Harvey Rotten is gone. He's basically walking up to Mega City Two. Um, He's injured. He's being irradiated by the you know irradiated land around him, and he basically just mm-hmm. walks up. He gives him the antidote, and like that's it. There's not really much <laughs> yeah. of a dramatic you know conclusion to it. You know. Yeah, I mean, and isn't the next chapter like he's just back yeah. in Mega City One and he's getting healed? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they don't really explain. They don't even tell you that like the antidote worked. It's like there's not. There, you expect there to be, he has to get there, then be attacked by the zombies infected by Tutti Frutti, and then, like, maybe some sort of attempt to, you know, heal them. You kind of get nothing. It's just, like, he walks yeah. up, drops off the antidote, and, like, all right, I guess I'm going back. And he gets flown back, right, after driving across the country. Yeah. They're just flying back, so, yeah. Well, now that they've cured the, the virus, <laughs> it's safe to fly or something. Um, I guess, and then Tweak goes back to space or yeah, something. something like yeah. uh, <laughs> Which I, I feel like, you know, we're... I don't want to say it's a it's not a good story because like we said there's good parts of it. I just think for what I want from a Judge Dredd story, it doesn't quite deliver. But yeah, yeah. The cursor th- it's like a weak it's a weak motivator yeah. to to tell some really interesting stories, I yeah. think. That's that's the way that I took it. That's a good way to phrase it. And I think it's a celebrated uh story I think because it is the first mega epic, it's the first story this big in Judge Dredd. Um and believe me, there'll be plenty of other mega epics that are far more satisfying as you go on. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do you want to maybe talk about the day the law died now? I guess. <laughs> I guess we should talk about the story that I could not rip myself away from. <laughs> yes, it's a- genuinely. I mean, coming coming off of Cursed Earth, I was I was very much like you. You had told me you're like Mike. You're going to find this one to be a lot easier to read. And I was like, okay. And while it is kind of long, yeah. Like I will say, it's maybe maybe five or six chapters too long. Right. Um. It did get very entertaining near the end in terms of just how wild it goes. But I don't want to dig into it too much. I'll, I'll let you maybe preface it and then we can we can go from there. So as I sort of uh, you know hinted at, The Day the Law Died is a second mega epic collected in this, this volume of the Complete Case Files Volume 2. It's written by John Wagner, who was, of course, the creator of Judge Dredd. You have Brian Boland and Mike McMahon back on art, along with uh, – Dave Gibbons, uh, Brendan McCarthy, Brett Ewins, Gary Leach, and Ron Smith. So a lot more artists to work with, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting um, compared to the sort of visual. As much as as different as Mc, uh, McMahon and Boland are, having two artists on uh, the Cursed Earth kind of works. Having more artists in this story is interesting. But yeah. anyway, the idea is you get Judge Dredd back in Mega City One again. 
John Wagner never really had the time before this to really establish what he thought Mega City 1 was or what the judges represented. So this is him basically doing a soft reboot of Mega City 1, reintroducing it, reintroducing the judge system, doing a lot of heavy world building at the same time, telling a very compelling story about an insane judge who takes over Mega City 1, Judge Cal. Mm-hmm. And what I really like about this story is that the way you start this and the way you end up feels so different. And it's such a big story compared to The Cursed Earth, even though it, it's all in one location, you know? Yeah. So yeah. the story basically starts with Judge Dredd showing back up. Um, you have Chief Judge Goodman, who's sort of the, the leader of the judges, and Judge Cal, who's the head of the SJS, which is the Special Judicial Squad, which are the judges who police other judges, kind of the internal investigation, you know, aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you immediately get the sense that Judge Cal is jealous of Chief Judge Goodman. And right after uh, Judge Dredd is welcomed back to the city, he gets framed for murder. And that's where the story starts. He gets framed for murder. He has to prove his innocence. Turns out there's uh, Judge Cal owns a robot replica of Judge Dredd that's so lifelike that it even fools Dredd at one point, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and then Judge Dredd, you know, he proves his uh, innocence. Shortly after that, uh, Chief Judge Goodman is murdered um, by the SJS squad. And that's where the story really kicks off. I love the sort of fake start of like, oh, Judge Dredd's, you know, a wanted man. Oh, never mind. Here's the bigger story we were leading into, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, and that's the whole aspect of the day the law died which makes it interesting is that it keeps zigging where you expect it to zag like the story never quite is predictable in a way that you'd expect you know yeah i mean and it's what's interesting i think to me is that you see mega city one basically fall apart Mm -hmm. under the rule of this this judge like they have a mayor in mega city one and yet it is this chief judge that is able to dictate how everything runs um and you see the fall of mega city one in a lot of ways which um I, I'm sure that there is some historical relevant thing about Caligula that I just don't know. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I know that, because I think in, in the preview before the beginning of Day of Law Die, they're like, and what will happen when Judge Dredd has to face off with Judge Caligula? Right, call, yeah. And uh, then they never call him Caligula ever again. Um, but I'm sure there's some historical significance to some of the the wackiness as well as um, like the way that things progress about a leader that can't trust their, their, um, their peers or, or their uh, subordinates and all that stuff. But um, Nonetheless, that that allowed me to kind of go into this blank yeah. and see how all the wackiness play out. Even you know, and there's even a, a judge that is a, a fish, you know. So <laughs> well, yeah. So the, um, the idea is that again, it's Judge Caligula. Uh, Caligula famously was insane or is a narcissist, just like Judge Cal. Um, and at one point, historically, according to legend, Caligula named a horse a senator, you know, to the Senate in Rome. I see. So I see. And that's what that whole story is. So right after you basically have Judge Goodman being murdered, just like um, Julius Caesar was. Um, and then in his dying moment, he gives Judge Dredd an SJS pin. So Judge Dredd knows that, oh, it's one of Cal's men. It's probably responsible. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, Judge Cal basically declares himself chief judge. And it's very clear that he's insane, has complete control over the judges and is a narcissist who just wants the city to love him. And Mm -hmm. as the story goes on, it's really interesting to see how Judge Dredd is responding to this because what I think John Wagner brings to Judge Dredd is his whole point is that what makes Judge Dredd interesting is that he's a fascist, which makes it very hard to be a hero. And that's not really – so you get a story where Judge Cal is even more dangerous than fascism in a sense because he's completely insane. And it's Mm -hmm. not that Judge Dredd is actually caring about the citizens who are being injured by Judge Cal. He's actually just more concerned that Judge Cal isn't following the rule of law, right? Right. Because Judge Cal just makes shit up as he goes along. There's a point where he declares himself the living law. He says, I am the living law, as opposed to Judge Dredd saying, I am the law, where Dredd's saying, I'm an embodiment of this written book. I'm following the orders. I'm following the rule as it's written down. It seems unfair, but this is what it states, you know? Where mm-hmm. Judge Cal is just making shit up. There's a point where he just declares, he gives the entire city the death penalty, and he's going to execute everyone in alphabetical order, sector by sector, and it's insane, yeah. right? And that's Judge Dredd has a problem with that. It's not the problem that people are being subjugated, or Judge Cal, you know, outlaws happiness, or 
institutes a curfew, like that doesn't bother Judge Dredd. It's like he's not following the book when he's making this stuff up. That's what's bothering right. Judge Dredd, right? Yeah, at no point throughout this run do you hear Judge Dredd actually really care about the people. Mm-hmm. He's more just caring. He cares more about the state, right? Um, and and like upholding the quote unquote law. And he's got these other judges that also believe it with him. Um, and even when they are in the, near the end of the story, they're rallying the people. They don't really need the people for the people's sake. They only need the people for their bodies. Exactly. Right. Like they're only rallying people because they need to outnumber the judges. Um, but that, by no means does that mean like even Judge Dredd says I think at one point that like after this is all done like you're all going to go back to obeying the law like you wouldn't rise up against the judge who's upholding the law uh that's me kind of paraphrasing but like I, that is the implication that i got reading through this whole there thing. there is a moment very early on when judge dread rallies the city to take up arms against the uh the judges i should say that the, it's revealed later on that judge cal has brainwashed the judges uh to follow his orders right, right? With another lore building thing that the judges get all of their daily briefings downloaded into their brain yeah. at super high speed audio, which like, okay, man, sure. <laughs> well, what's funny, because until you get to that point, I never thought about why they're just blindly following Judge Cal. I just thought like, well, that's how fascist authoritarian governments work. People just follow the orders right. without questioning them. That's exactly, that's exactly what I you thought, what I mean? too. And when they introduce that, that gives them a, a way out of the story for them to, you know, save the judges, quote unquote. But up until that, I never questioned why they were just following Judge Cal. So, yeah. But there's a moment where earlier earlier on, Judge Dredd rallies the city to take up arms against the judges and overthrow Judge Cal. And um, he catches a couple of people looting a store in during the chaos. And he's like, hey, you looters, what are you doing? And the people say, oh, we're just taking a few things, Judge. And Judge Dredd says, uh, if you break the law, you can't be on my side. Go to your homes and put yourself under house arrest. I'll be back to deal with you later. Yeah, right? yeah. That, that's like to me. Like that to me was the funniest bit because he was saying that all throughout the cursed earth. Mm-hmm. And he, when he comes back to the city, like he's consistent. If you're breaking the law, he's gonna oppress you yeah, exactly. essentially. Yeah. So yeah, you can't break even if you're trying to overthrow the government. You can't really break the law with Judge Dredd. So yeah. I mean, the, the other part of this that um, had me ne- not necessarily questioning the judges um, was at one point, you know, Judge Cal brings in these aliens called the Clegg yes, yes. Um, as kind of like his enforcers that he had had in his back pocket. Because as his people start to rise up, you know, Cal calls in these Clegg monster people, um, aliens, the alligator headed beasts that when McMahon draws them look exactly like ty- Satanus Rex, <laughs> um, which I absolutely love, yeah. by the way. Um, but like he, he brings them in to essentially, you know, push back against the people that are rebelling and i think also to keep the judges in line but to me it didn't seem like the judges necessarily need to be put in line it was just they needed to push down the people yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the clegg are interesting because the idea of aliens showing up in judge dread is always kind of weird to me but like that really works you know for something the idea that judge cal like you said has this in his back pocket oh i have some alien mercenaries to help me you know really tighten my grip on the city it kind of works you know Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we had Tweak. You know, aliens exist, that's man. True. And, but, <laughs> that's true, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, there is always a sci-fi element to Judge Dredd that, you know, when it's in there, if it's if they incorporate it well, I think it works really well. And I think the Clegg actually work. Um, uh, we should also mention that very early on in the story, Judge Dredd gets killed. Like, he gets shot in the head on panel oh, and yeah. dies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, he gets shot in the head and then, like... <laughs> He is a miraculously healed by brain growing nanites or right, something like that. There's, I mean, there's sci-fi science to help him. Like he put in the back to take whatever, but right. Yeah, I guess we also didn't mention his manservant robot Walter that talks like a little baby or something. Oh yes. Um, so that thank you for reminding me. I, as someone who hasn't read a ton of Judge Dredd or any Judge Dredd, Mike, you didn't know that Judge Dredd had a robot manservant with a speech impediment named Walter the Wobot, did you? Yeah, I didn't, and I also didn't know that he had a, a like a, a maid right, Maria. who is clearly, yeah, Maria, clearly Hispanic, who constantly, the handful of times she speaks, talks about how she can't speak English well, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on, 2000 AD? Like, I know you're trying to lean into, like, American weirdness, but, like, Jesus. <laughs> I will say, that definitely threw me off um, the first time I started reading Judge Dredd, the idea that his uh, a gross Italian stereotype uh, maid, Maria... Oh, that's what it was, yeah. Um, 
what's interesting is I the first Judge Dredd I ever read was Complete Case Files Volume Five, and they still okay. show up. So he has Walter the Wobot and Maria for a long time, <laughs> well past their expiration date, I think. Um, sure, sure. But yeah, again, this is a comic written in 1978, 1979. Um, you know, there's some stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I don't think it detracts from Judge Dredd because because there's so much other satirical stuff going on, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. that out of place as much as it might seem just if you've only seen the Carl Urban movie and you say like, "Oh yeah, in the comics he's got a, like a speech impediment robot named Walter the Wobot." That wouldn't quite work, right? <laughs> That really honestly threw me. Like, I was like, are, am I reading the Jetsons now? Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, that stuff wouldn't translate to a movie version of Dread very well, but... No. Um. So, yeah, what's amazing to me about this story is, like, it's a very long story, and I don't think we can do a chapter-by-chapter breakdown, and I wouldn't want to, no, because no. I think if you haven't read it, like I said, the story zigs in ways we're expected to zag. There's a lot of unexpected stuff in it. It's well worth the time to sit down and read it and unpack it. Um. For me, the real standouts are the idea that Judge Dredd is able to get a small group of guerrilla fighters to join him. Basically, you find out that the Academy of Law, all the tutors there are judges who are injured in the, you know, in the street doing their judge duties. So they can't be street cops anymore. So they teach people. They're not being brainwashed. So Judge Dredd is able to use them, you know, to fight back. Right. You see. And then the one guy who just took like two weeks off yeah. and didn't explain why. <laughs> You're right. Um, you have Judge Giant shows up as well for some reason. He doesn't get brainwashed. Um, mm-hmm. There's also all these recurring jokes about Judge Cal just being a narcissist. There's a point where he sentenced the, the entire city to death and then decides not to do it and expects this people to throw him a parade because of that, right? Right. And celebrate him, yeah. And they go out in the streets and there's no one there and he thinks it's something with his eyes. Like, maybe I'm just not seeing very well, but it seems like the streets aren't as busy as they should be, you know? Like, the crowd seems smaller than they are. Um, yeah, yeah. And that underscores something that maybe we could briefly mention. I don't want to get too into it, but reading this story in the year 2020 is very different than probably read in 1979, right? Right. Or even, even 10 years ago. I mean, it's it's a, it's a it was gross in a lot of ways. Like, I, I was definitely struggling with some of the stuff that that they were pushing in this because i'm like uh this is this reads like today like i don't like reading the news in my comic books and yet here we are um like and and that's not me saying you know comic books aren't political or have great commentary but to read a book like this where they're trying to play satire and it reads all too true um is kind of scary yeah you have an insane narcissist who at one point wants to build a wall around mega city one it reads pretty close to home yeah, Especially yeah. at one point, there's a panel, which I found pretty chilling when I my reread, where Judge Cal is addressing the city and he says, I haven't been a bad chief judge. Sure, I did execute several million of you, but it could have been many more. And that line <laughs> lands yeah. a little too close to home. Yeah. You know, it, uh, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into that stuff, but it does, I think, color my reading of the story again, so... Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 wild. I mean, th- there are other bits, though, that I did find kind of lighthearted and fun, sure. <laughs> strangely enough, through this. Yeah. Um, like, at one point, Judge Cal tells one of his, like, close judges to just dress in his underwear. Yes. And that bit sticks around till the very end of the run. And I, like, I was always catching it. And, like, out of the corner of my eye, like, in the background of a panel, there would just be a judge in, in the classic polka dot, like, Speedo underwear. And it's consistent no matter who's drawing it, whether it's McMahon or or Ewing, or Boland, like, everybody found a way to include that. I thought that was stupendous. It's so good. The way it's set up is really early on. So when, uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert for this entire discussion, obviously, but there's a, when Chief Judge Goodman gives Judge Dredd the SJS button that fell off of someone's uniform, and then Cal sees it and says, hey, you're out of uniform, you're missing a button. If you can't be in proper uniform, you shouldn't wear a uniform at all. And that's why he's in his underwear for the entire story. It's like, mm-hmm. right? Um, what's interesting to me is, I, I, as I say, the story zigs were expected to zag. There's a point where they're chasing the judges, the so Judge Dredd and his band of, uh, you know, uh, guerrilla judges, whatever. Not literally, because believe me, there are some uh, Judge Dredd stories that actually feature guerrillas. So I don't mean actually. Okay. Sorry, so, um, 
they uh, end up crashing through the the street at a point, and they end up, like we said earlier, in the Ohio River, as they call it, the Big Smelly, right? So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it turns out at one point, the pollution in the Ohio River was so bad, they just paved over it. Um, And they they crashed through that. They found an entire undercity, which is something that comes back. Again, this is some world building where there's an entire city underneath Mega City 1 that's just been covered over, and people still live there. Mm-hmm. And one of the people that lives there is this, um, basically a brute, like an idiot named Fergie, who's incredibly strong. And he ends up being an important part of the story, which you never would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. I was very surprised when he like stuck around and then became very important to the end of the story. Yeah. Um, and again, but this, this to me, just kind of reiterates what I was saying before, like these side characters show in and they're kind of just throwaway pieces, um, in the story where because it's ultimately about dread and I, I understand that but no one necessarily sticks around to be um more relevant in some cases uh, i mean like you said some of the other judges it was clear like they're going to have longer repercussions longer pieces yeah. of the story one guy ends up becoming the new chief and so on and so forth but um you know these people show up out of the blue they're kind of weirdos you would never expect them to work with judge dread let alone judge dread work with them and they end up becoming like almost respected to each other i mean to the point where you know this fergie uh, you know he jumps off of the edge of this thing saving everyone and he gets a statue made of him you know um in the middle of mega city one it's pretty interesting because like i said i think that john wagner's take on the character is that judge dread has to be a part of this system right it's not mm-hmm. that He's a less important character. He still is the titular character and the most important one, but you can do a story where he doesn't show up or maybe doesn't save the day, but it still feels part of the shared universe. It's different from the Satanist story, right, which Judge Dredd has nothing to do with, but you can do a chapter where maybe Judge Dredd doesn't show up or maybe he's just in the last page, but it still feels like it's his world as long as it's in Mega City 1, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the deal with Fergie is like, you know, they end up recruiting him more or less to help them overthrow Judge Cal. It turns out they, they, Judge Cal loves the order he's brought to Mega City One. And again, that's another undercurrent here is that they point out that as bad as he is, he makes the trains run on time, which is every fascist's favorite bragging point, of course. Um, right. Um, and he's brought such order to Mega City One that in order to preserve it for history, he's going to gas everyone in the city. So the city is pristine, right? Yeah. Um, so once they realize that they they don't have time to like you know deprogram or debrainwash all the other judges, they just have to kill Cal. And like you said, the final battle is basically on the top of the Statue of Judgment, which is the giant statue that overshadows the Statue of Liberty now in Mega City One. Okay, I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that, but okay. <laughs> so there's a giant statue of a judge that I mean is looms over like it, it it's huge compared to the Statue of Liberty. Right. But uh, right. at basically. Fergie tackles Judge Cal. They tumble over the edge, falling to their death. Judge Cal thinks that he can reverse gravity. He's so delusional. He says, like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to fall. That That's fine. I'll just... F- oh, I love that. Know. I love that. He's so in his own head and so just brainwashed and delusional. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the, the epilogue, they reveal that Fergie becomes sort of a hero. There's a statue built for him, which is really funny, you know. But again, I think that the entire story if you really step back and look at it, it shows how ineffectual the judge system is, which is why I think you can have a comic strip about a fascist as the quote unquote hero or titular character, because the entire story is Wagner pointing out the judge system doesn't work. It's so easy for the city to be overthrown and taken over by an insane narcissist. Mm-hmm. Why even have the judges? They they don't really save the day. Fergie does, you know? Yeah. So, interesting take because at the end of the day i was i was kind of just like man that's a that guy definitely died i was i was so like (laughs) i was so like unsure of how the story was going to end the fact that it ended so like simply in a way yeah i i didn't necessarily take a huge meaning from it but i mean put in a different light i think you know even even after stepping back like to see this this dictator rise and and become truly authoritative right where (laughs) i think the judges work as a as a as a character in the story because they are like upholding the quote unquote rule of law. But as you know, 
as you said, you know, as soon as the laws start to become like wild and outrageous, like I, at one point, Judge Cal is like, no laughing, no smiling, no talking, like, and all of those charges could put you basically on death row. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you will be killed for these things. Um, is uh, yeah, it's it's proof that the, the the judge system doesn't work. So I guess I didn't look at it that way, Paul. Yeah, and, and what's funny is like if you there's a like you said there's a point in the story where Judge Cal makes the laws so confusing that citizens don't know if they're breaking the law or not. Mm-hmm. Even after he's overthrown, there's other stories in Judge Dredd where citizens unwillingly break the law all the time. Sure, sure. And that's that's just a part of it. Like So people's lives under Judge Cal versus not under Judge Cal probably aren't that radically different, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's the sort of undercurrent where I which makes this story more interesting. Every time I go back and reread The Day the Law Died, I kind of get more of that sense. It's like... It it feels like Wagner saying, "Hey, Judge Dredd's the hero. Look, they win in the end." But at the same time, the city that he's painting, or the picture of the Megacy one he's painting, isn't a flattering one. The picture of Judge Dredd he's per- portraying isn't a flattering one. You know, the judge yeah. system is inherently flawed. So, well, and especially with the last panel of that story being Judge Dredd saying, "No, I can't lead the judges. I'm needed more on the street more than ever." Yeah. Like, makes no sense because <laughs> it, I, mean, I should say it makes sense. That's yeah. the character, right? But it makes no sense because all of these laws being pressed upon the people only made their lives worse. And the fact that Judge Dredd thinks he needs to get back out there <laughs> to to uphold the law is is absurd, almost. Yeah, that that's the undercurrent of the character. Um, the idea idea is that the law just means order in this world yeah you know? so yeah um it's not in this story and i'm I've, i tried to find it it's in another one of the case files i've read so I, I can't give the exact reference but there is a story where the chief judge at the time is telling judge dread that you know it's 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 legal for citizens to protest it's legal for citizens to have a, a voice and protest the government and judge dread's response is Citizens have the right to follow the law. And that's like, that's the character right there. It's like, citizens have the right yeah. to obey the law, period. So, right. And I think you kind of get the hint with this story. So I'm glad you like the day the law died. I think this volume, like I said, you get two big mega epics, two different takes on the character. Uh, mm-hmm. The Cursed Earth has a lot of fun stuff in it, but the day the law died, this is why I like Judge Dredd. It's funny. It's satirical. Um, might hit a little close to home at sometimes. Um but it's it's an interesting world building experiment in trying to understand this character overall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy to have read it. It just it's it's a lot of comic book, <laughs> yeah. um, to say the least. Yeah. Like, I mean, it really is. Like, I think I dove into this thinking, oh yeah, I'll sit down for 200 pages of Judge Dread. No, it's like almost 400 pages of Judge Dread. Yeah. Um, I don't think that that makes it bad by no, any no, means. No. It's just, it's, it is a lot of story to take in. Um, like, I almost think we could have broken this up and just done episodes on Cursed Earth and just true. on Day the Law Died. True, true. Um, I mean, there there were a couple more little tiny stories that came after this that I thought were interesting. Mostly just the DNA Dr. Frankenstein <laughs> story was just like, okay, I guess there's also Dr. Frankensteins yeah. in the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny, too, because I mean, we're talking about these big mega epics. Most Judge Judge stories, apparently, especially at this time in the late 70s, early 80s, are the shorter two or three uh, chapter stories. You don't really get yeah. mega epics that often. So in this yeah. time, you get two back-to-back, which is kind of rare. Uh, but yeah, the shorter little world-building type stories or the one-off genre experiments, like basically a Dr. Frankenstein story, that stuff's really fun, you know? And it does, like I said, it kind of underscore what megacity life is really like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I think, I mean... <laughs> The the best part about the the Doctor Frankenstein story to me that that really was just the kicker. Um, like the story's a build up of this guy's creating you know genetic monsters and stuff, and that fits. That that feels to me like what Judge Dredd is about. Like it's a weird future. There's like pseudoscience, but it's all gross and grimy and stuff. And there are these people that are trying to uphold the law. The best part about that story though is at one point Frankenstein and his monster are running away, and this monster's abducted a woman, um, and he's carrying her because it's it's a Frankenstein story. <clears throat> and Dr. Frankenstein is safe because he crosses the borderline yes. of Mega City. Yep. And Judge Dredd says, we can't get him. He's he's over the border. <laughs> yep. And like that that to me like was just absurd, like cartoonishly insane. Like that is straight out of Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet that is what the story relied on. It re- relied on that to happen in order for the, the story itself to conclude as the monster, you know, goes and eventually kills the doctor. But like, man, oh man, like what a wild 
like twist on things to see Judge Dredd so so held to the law that he will not literally step over a line in order to bring his you know, perp in. Um, like it's just perfect. I think to me that that really kind of was a nice little little dollop of what I really truly expected out of a Judge Dredd story. Like a simple premise <laughs> where the the law is the rule, and not to say the other stories weren't great, but like it was just a it was interesting to see these these little stories following up these huge epics. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I think if you if you keep going, which I highly suggest you do, if you keep reading these complete okay. case files, you get a lot more stories like that. Which I think when they're good, they do add to that world. You know, the idea that there's just a border to Mega City 1 that they can't cross is pretty absurd, right? So... Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah I, you know, I was going to compare a lot of this stuff to, to manga, which which I, I do want to just get on a little sure. tiny soapbox yeah. really quick. Um, I, I liked the way that this story was structured because it does feel like a lot of manga. Um, and I, I don't know necessarily who did it first. I, there's no point in really debating no. that. Um, but I do think it's interesting to see a story published in a western format that follows the same kind of rules and logic of storytelling of like little bursts of story that tell a larger grander story like as someone who's who's read enough manga to be able to talk about it enough um it's it's really like almost promising to me to see that there are publishers out there that are doing this because i think that that story structure works like i think even if you get away from the massive amounts of word bubbles that are in this book, and I'm sure that doesn't, you know, persist right. as the stories yeah. goes on, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's, if you you take that idea and apply it to like modern day comics and you stick to the black and white, um, I could totally see myself subscribing to a magazine like this to get more stories like this. Sure. Um, and I know that's pretty much what Twenty Thousand AD is, right? It's just an anthology book that comes out every every week mm-hmm. or every month or something that just has a bunch of stories in it. Um, and I love that. Uh, I wish there was more of that stuff, but I. Just don't think there's a market for it unfortunately outside of like japan and like the asian markets i guess yeah and you know it's 2000 ad has tried to break into the american market in several ways but it's never quite mm-hmm. worked just because the the mode of storytelling is so different from the 20 page american comic and yeah you know uh, uh adw has the judge dread license and they've done their own judge dread comics which are the traditional monthly american style comics and some of them are quite good i've read a handful of them uh but I think the momentum of this type of storytelling lends itself to more interesting stories. I don't think you could never do a story that felt as big as the day the law died. I think in a monthly comic, it would be, you know, especially in this marketplace, big, it'd be event comic could be like the lead in issues and like the six issue miniseries and the spinoffs. And like Mm -hmm. that wouldn't work. The fact that it's happening week to week, because there are times when you're reading the day the law died, where it kind of feels like this could be the last judge dread story. Like things get that dire. You know, yeah, yeah, and I think that only works if you're doing it week to week, you know, where people are expecting that sort of like momentum. Yeah. So, absolutely, um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you 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 know you you pinned me down <laughs> and told me, Mike, I, you you got to read this or else you, you threatened to come at me yeah. with um, your own baton or something. I got but, my, my uh, lawmaster this... and uh, yeah, the lawgiver. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, uh, but no, this is this is really cool. I'm I'm like glad that I got to actually experience like a, a full judge dread story i'm glad i honestly am glad that we didn't just throw like a here's a book of you know 23 page or three chapter stories instead it's like here's two mega epics this is what judge dread is capable of um because it definitely especially seeing two back to back (laughs) was really eye-opening in what was what's capable of the character and what's capable of the storytelling um structure of these like little chapters so um yeah man i'm I'm really glad i got to do it it, though like i said this is the longest comic book i think i've ever (laughs) read you know, I don't want to obviously I don't want to tell anyone what to read or twist their arm too much, but I really think this stuff's really good. It just gets better. There's a run if you keep going. Case files three through like six and seven are top notch, amazing. Okay. Case files okay. Um, three is a lot of shorter stories. Four, you get the Judge Child epic, which is basically John Wagner's version of the Cursed Earth, which is amazing. And okay. then of course, I can't recommend complete Case Files Volume Five. Highly enough, that includes um, Black Mania and the Apocalypse War, which not only is my favorite Judge Dredd story, it might be one of my favorite comics of all time. So, wow! If you're willing you to put in the first, put folks. in the time, I think at least take the ride up and through Volume Five. So. Well, I know that I picked up Volume Five a long while back, so maybe maybe I'll pick up three and four just to like keep continuity and. Um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll follow up with you, you know, in a couple of months after I've <laughs> somehow caught up on One Piece, I will then also catch up on Judge Dredd. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, I, I'm just scratching the surface myself. I've got a long way to go in my Judge Dredd reading, yeah. but I'm glad you enjoyed it. I sure enjoy the hell out of it. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. Obviously, I do it on the show all the time. So I'm glad we took an hour here to really, uh, you know, down to brass tacks, talk about Judge Dredd. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I just want more Brian Boland art in my life. I think that's that's what <laughs> oh, it comes just, down to. Just wait till Judge Death shows up. You get all of the Boland you can you can handle. Oh snap! <laughs> uh, oh well, let's let's wrap this sure. thing up, uh, Paul. This is like I said, this is awesome. You can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Paul at Ohio Poly. You can follow me at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. You guys know where all that stuff is. Uh, this show and many of our subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. You can join us and be a patron at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate and review our show. I think five stars would be a good rating. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can join us on Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord, and make sure you tell a friend or two about the show. Tell them to read some Judge Dread, and then have them come listen to this episode. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. I want to say thank you to Xander, our wonderful, fantastic human being of an editor um, who's not an alien. He's totally a human being, I promise. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Xander. I love you. You're an amazing editor. Uh, thank you to Paul for, you know sitting down and doing this with me and or i should say me sitting down to do it with you i don't know how we're gonna do this but until next time stay healthy uh do the right thing comics are good and so are you